Hi, welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we combine psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance. Today's topic is the last in a series of four on energy, what it really is, how we can harness it, and live happier, more resilient lives. Today, we will focus on how to build resilience to increase and maintain your energy. So right off the bat, I'm going to start off with four practices. Practice number one in increasing resilience to gain energy is a practice that's called gentle loving kindness. You may have heard of this in meditative forms, but let's expound on it a little bit. I know I've said it before, and I will say it again, gentle loving kindness goes beyond just forgiving yourself or forgiving another person. It's the day-to-day loading of our, you know, beating up ourselves for not being good enough or doing enough, or even that of a friend letting us down. As a matter of fact, speaking of not being good enough or doing enough, the term good enough parenting is an actual concept that is deriving from the work of British psychoanalyst and pediatrician W.D. Whittacott. I learned about him back in graduate school, and his efforts were to provide support for what he called quote, the sound instincts of normal parents, that they just don't have to be perfect, just quote unquote, good enough. And that made for stable and healthy families. So with gentle loving kindness, we strive for being good enough, having a heartfelt quality of your mind, friendliness towards self and others, an openness, and connectedness. It's basically a concentration of, you know, looking at opening your heart. And we have to make it a practice. Loving kindness involves focusing on the goodness in ourselves and with other people, looking beyond our own negative qualities and that of others. And then lastly, acknowledging the complexity of the whole person. So things like feeling guilty for not spending enough time at work or beating ourselves up at the end of the day, feeling like we might have not been productive or wasted the day or we're lazy. Perhaps we don't think we're exercising enough or hard enough. And then there's having poor diet or nutrition. And like we mentioned before, letting ourselves or a friend or colleague down. If we can just find some middle ground that we're just being good enough and then take that gentle loving kindness, which again is in fact a meditation, we are bringing our attention both to the breath and both to our bodies, right? So when we do this gentle loving kindness, we attune ourselves to our thoughts and our feelings. And we want to have acceptance, curiosity, and interest. I know my favorite Buddhist nun, Pema Chodron, when I listen to her, 
and her recordings, she often talks about meditation. And when we have those feelings creep up, maybe like the aforementioned, she says, you look at them with curiosity. We're not looking to kind of say that that was bad or I am bad or I didn't, you know, I wasn't good enough. We look at them with curiosity and with interest and then hopefully eventually acceptance. Bringing our attention to the reactivity we experienced is really important. That's often what we talked about in my practice with patients is that phrase reaction formation. A reaction formation fires in a nanosecond and that's one billionth of a second. So we get really good with a practice of gentle loving kindness and then we can catch ourselves when we're being reactive. And then we come back to those phrases of intention, gentle, loving kindness. So I always like to begin with a breath practice when we're looking at uh, meditation with gentle, loving kindness. Focusing your attention on the physical sensations of the breath. I particularly like Dr. Andrew Weil's 478 breath. You can check that out on his website, drweil.com or on his YouTube video. He has a wonderful demonstration. So as the mind wanders, you just notice and then you gently but firmly return your attention to the breath. Here, we allow the mind and the body to be calm and to relax and then become one. The idea behind this is that we need to practice to truly get in touch with our body and mind. And then we can catch ourselves during the day or night while we drift off. If we think about it, once again, that's why I combine psychology, biology, and neurology, because this paired stimulus response is just a practice. And again, a good enough practice that just gives ourselves gentle, loving kindness. And practicing each day, we just build every day, every day, over and over again. And basically, when we build on something over and over and over again, we can dive into practice number two on increasing energy with resilience. And we're going to call that the domino effect. So again, looking on building something, we will reference again my journal at the back of my book, which is there for a reason. In my book, Prescription for Change, Using Your Lifestyle's Medicine, we have this journal that week by week, we build on a new skill set. It's like a chain reaction. So let's take the truest definition of the domino effect. One thing that starts off bad, then causes multiple bad events to happen. So let's say you blew your diet at lunch because you had a piece of birthday cake from a colleague and you get a case of the forget it's saying, I'll just start again tomorrow. But we don't have to give up right then and there. We had the ability to course correct, salvaging the day. That's also cognitive reappraisal and positive expectation. And that's gentle loving kindness. I ate the cake. Oh, well, it was a birthday party. I'm not a failure. I enjoyed the cake and I move on. 
And remember listeners, that's also scientifically proven. The SMART program, Stress Management and Resiliency Training, that I am certified to teach from the Benson Henry Institute at the Massachusetts General Hospital and the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard University, basically developed a program that's all based on science and support it with many documentations and real live participants. Then we look at tackling this good effect that we could start, okay? So the bad effect we can interrupt, but let's take the opposite, which is also the good effect. So that's also a domino effect in a good way. We start off small and we get really good at just one task and then we piggyback on it later, which is why, again, there is a journal at the back of my book. We start with just one small behavior you want to change, one thing you want to address, and then we piggyback off it. Trust me, it is the power of the habituated brain. If I get up and put my sneakers on to walk my dog every single morning, it becomes Pavlovian. Then I see the same people, I get a lot of joy out of it, and my dog starts to expect me to walk her first thing in the morning. Again, paired stimulus response. And the satisfaction of completing one task actually carries you to the next one. This principle relies heavily on human behavior and the concept of commitment and consistency. So the domino effect is both physical and psychological. Let's remember listeners, you can get 1% worse each day by guilting yourself for eating the cake or beating yourself up for, you know, not doing what you wanted to do, or you can get 1% better each day. For example, not beating yourself up and maybe just going for a walk afterwards. Don't forget, small changes add up to big results. So again, we're looking at gaining energy by building resilience. And all of this again is reducing stress, giving us choice and building resilience. And when we have more resilience, we have more energy. Okay, let's go to practice number three get out in nature. From vitamin D and sunshine to just smelling the fresh air, maybe rain or even the chill of a snowstorm. We need to be outdoors. We're meant to be outdoors. Especially now in our COVID climate, the days are certainly getting shorter and the nights are getting longer, not just because it's fall, but we also have to look at the holidays that are approaching and the need for social distancing. But being cooped up all day is sort of also giving to the COVID fatigue, right? Speaking of fatigue, we have a, a lack of energy, right? So let's get out in nature and get those five senses engaged that I often mention. What did you see? What did you smell? What did you taste? What did you hear? What did you touch? And again, go to my Instagram. That's a wonderful way to give you examples of how you can get more energy by the five senses. They truly provide a natural boost in well-being and mood. And every time we move our body, we move our mind. 
and a body in motion stays in motion, right? Studies have consistently shown walking in nature reduces cortisol, that's our stress hormone, and by average, by the way, 12%, folks. And there's an increase in relaxation by over 100%. I mean, what kind of return on investment gives 100% back? They measured everything from pulse rate, blood pressure, to the sympathetic nerve activity. And being in nature, specifically around trees, has a powerful effect on lymphocytes, which are known to fight infection and cancer growth. Again, if you want to go to my Instagram, I have a lot of pictures of short videos, rather, of me just standing underneath very big trees. I live in a historic neighborhood, and it, it is truly moving to be covered by a tree. You feel warm, you feel safe, you feel protected. So get out and find some trees if you can. Or did you ever wonder why most screensavers have pictures of nature? So go ahead and space out. Look at your screensaver for a little while or download the many, many either YouTube videos or pictures that are out there right now of a rainforest or a tropical forest or just, you know, looking out to California and some of their big, uh, beautiful trees. And we can discharge our stress by finding the five senses. And speaking of getting out in nature, don't forget we can each day by and large also see sunshine. So nature, just not in the five senses or looking at trees, but actually getting out in sunshine, AKA vitamin D. And vitamin D, by the way, comes in two major forms. Vitamin D2, which is found in plants, and D3, which is found in animal tissues. And by the way, it's not really a vitamin after all, but a steroid hormone. And so that's why they say get out and get that sun exposure. Not too much, of course, and wear sunscreen. Another podcast on that if you want to find it, just troll through the, the literature. But you can also look at where vitamin D is made in your skin. And there's trace amounts in food, but by and large, it's really also not only made when our skin gets exposed to the sun, but it's strongly correlated with mood. So if you can't get outside, you can also do some light therapy. And again, this is something that's heralded all over the world. When I worked at McLean Hospital here in Belmont, Massachusetts, also a Harvard teaching hospital, they had an entire floor dedicated to light therapy. I know former patients of mine have had wonderful success ordering the lights, lamps that you can have just in your room or by your bed. And I am sure you've also heard, listeners, of seasonal affective disorder. So without getting too deep into that, believe it or not, Dr. Timothy Willens, my former mentor and supervisor back at a clinic, used to actually prescribe people to go outside. If you could fly somewhere warm, that's great, but by and large, just getting outside and moving in the air and sunlight will give you energy. Okay, on to the last practice, which is the inflammatory response, right? Inflammation, inflammation, inflammation. We can't stop hearing about inflammation, but 
poor diet, lack of exercise, and stress all cause inflammation in the body. And that eats up our energy. So think about it. When we're in that fight or flight mode of stress, your body requires more oxygen. So more blood flowing to major organs and muscles. And let's face it, that's quite a bit of energy. I have a whole podcast on the inflammatory response, so I will be brief. Basically, white blood cells are linked to the immune system and are releasing in the form of pro-inflammatory chemicals or anti-inflammatory chemicals known as cytokines. And inflammation is the body's way of protecting itself. So again, not all inflammation is bad, but as we have discussed, inflammation can be acute or chronic. So acute because you get a cut or you get a cold, or it could be chronic, which is the bad kind, right? So the one thing I learned at the SMART program is it's okay to be in the stress-based response if you have to run for the train or hit your brakes or get a presentation done. That ebb and flow in and out of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system is quite natural and normal and quite frankly needed. And that's called allostasis. We go in and out of those two nervous systems. The one thing we don't want to do is chronically hanging out in that sympathetic nervous system. So let's think about it again, fight or flight, all the blood goes to, and freeze, by the way, we always forget about freeze, but it's fight, flight, or freeze. But the blood goes to your fists so you can fight, or your feet so you can flee. But if you're not going anywhere, all of that stuff's just hanging out in the body. And I often say to my patients, okay, norepinephrine, you get back in the building. The you know, fire station came, they cleared the building, everybody can go back in, false alarm. So norepinephrine back in the building, epinephrine back in the building, adrenaline, I see you back in the building. We need to tell that wonderful amygdala, we just burn the toast. It's okay. We can get out of that stress-based response. And how do we do that? Natural ways to decrease inflammation would be, of course, exercise. Again, like we said, moving the body and getting those stress hormones somewhere to go you know, running, biking, hiking, just moving, yoga, gives those hormones of stress, of adrenaline, norepinephrine, you know, some, some purpose. And of course, then there's sleep. Hence the term sleep hygiene, which again, not to repeat, I have a whole podcast on that, so I'm being very brief, but sleep hygiene is a real thing. We know that we need to get sleep. And by the way, one of my upcoming podcasts is going to be on this idea of where that eight hours came from and do we really need the eight hours and do we need to get eight hours in a row? But that's for the future. But let's look at sleep hygiene. Again, we want to have a dark, cool room, no caffeine late in the day. Try to get some blue light lenses or turn your devices to, um, you know, to get that wonderful blue light off of your screens, whether it's your laptop, your computer, or like I said, the glasses if you're watching TV. And then we, of course, can't forget about diet in terms of food. So we want to try incorporating low inflammatory foods like cruciferous vegetables, like 
broccoli and cauliflower and dark leafy greens. All of these foods are wonderful in decreasing that inflammatory response. So any of your, you know, sugary snacks or white bread or lots of pastas are going to basically increase the bad bacteria and increase inflammation impacting the whole body. And that of course goes back to all the blood and oxygen going to those major organs to fight or flee or to keep the inflammatory response decreasing your energy levels. So lastly, of course, would be stress. Now, don't forget, just thinking about something causes stress. It's not just the physicality of doing something. But again, instead of being in allostasis, where the body goes in and out of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, the body hangs out in the sympathetic nervous system. And that's what we call allostatic loading or oxidative stress. And oxidative stress is stressing our major muscles and organs, not to mention lowering our immune system. And we all need a strong immune system. So those are my four practice tips and the end of our series on energy. Of course, if you want to hear more about the book on change or find out more about my program, Restore Body Balance, Simply submit an inquiry on the contact page or be sure to click the subscribe button to hear more episodes on my unique approach of combining psychology of the mind, the biology of the body, and the neurology of that habituated brain to enact life changes that stick. Take care and stay safe, everyone. See you next week.